Hey there, listeners. Before we get this episode going, I just want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Cornerstone. Cornerstone helps people-focused organizations attract, retain, and develop their employees through technology. And with that, here's the episode. From hrgrapevine.com, it's the HR Grapevine Podcast. Hello there, everyone. Eric Niewerowski here. Thank you again for joining me. This week, I wanted to talk about what flexible working looks like for large organizations. And when I say large organizations, I mean with an employee headcount of over 1,500 employees. You know, when it comes to hybrid working, we have always said, you know, there's there's no one-size-fits-all approach. But how do you really take that approach when you have so many different people working for you and also in a lot of different sort of job functions? If it's on-site, if it's at company headquarters, how does that actually work? So to help me unpack this, thrilled to be joined by Lizzie Downs. She is the Chief People Officer at Pendragon. Now, if you don't know, Pendragon is one of the UK's leading automotive retailers. They have over 160 locations, and they have a lot of different retail divisions that operate under the brands like Evans Halshaw, Stratstone, and Car Store. And then they also have other businesses involving B2B fleet and leasing solutions. So there's a lot of brands underneath the Pendragon umbrella. So how does flexible working work for an organization of this size? So Lizzie is going to help me break down the evolution of the leadership employee trust over the course of the pandemic, the roadblocks and challenges when it comes to a one-on-one approach to identify an employee's needs, and how to bottle up flexible working policies across many different brands and different job functions. So it's an insightful conversation with Lizzie, and I hope you enjoy it. So I'm Lizzie Downs. I'm the Chief People Officer of um, Pendragon Group PLC. Um, it is a primarily a um, auto retailer organisation, but we have lots and lots of different businesses with, under the group. So two um, core brands that people probably will most um, often recognise is Evans Houseshaw and Stratstone. And, uh, and then you've got PVM, which is our uh, vehicle leasing arm. You've got Quitco, which is our kind of parts arm. And then we've got our kind of tech um, uh, business which is called Pinewood, which is the dealer management system software development business as well. So we've got sort of five big kind of businesses, if you like, underneath the group. Great, great. So yeah, you know, when I I wanted to have you on the podcast, because we talk a lot about leadership and how it's evolved so quickly. The HR brand has changed almost overnight two years ago, right? It went from, this is where I call in sick. This is where I make sure like all my benefits are. This is where I'm getting onboarded. And then overnight, they HR was still doing all of that, but also making sure people are getting set up in their homes okay and making sure that their well-being is paid attention to. Yeah. But we've never really covered it from the lens of your industry. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly Pendragon has all of those brands you just mentioned, What's yeah, your yeah. what's your current employee count, if you know it offhand? Yeah, sure. So it's about about five and a half thousand at the moment. So you have five and a half thousand people working for you with you. 
and a whole bunch of different business units. So I guess I just want to kick off with with you today is how has leadership and employee trust evolved and changed over the course of the pandemic? Yeah, it's been it's been quite significant for us, I would say. I mean, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say now that I joined the business in uh, in September 2021. But um, but from what I can understand prior to me joining it was quite um, uh, a presenteeism business. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of about FaceTime. Um, I mean, many of our employees actually have to be in face-to-face. -face. It's, it's part, of, part of their job. You know, you go into a dealer, you expect to meet someone to help you with the, with the kind of car buying process. So there's a lot of face FaceTime, but definitely in the head office, it was, you were in the office and you were in sort of, in, in kind of like five days a week, etc. So right. it was quite, um, you know, we, we experienced what lots of other people didn't, is that leaders kind of realised, oh, oh, do you know what, actually, this can work, we can give flexibility, and actually it doesn't kind of like, it's not a complete disaster for the firm. So we went through that whole that whole journey and we've actually maintained a fair bit of um, hybrid working. There's only really things like shared service and um, an area and customer service, call centre, et cetera, that are kind of need to be in on a more regular basis. Most of the rest of it is about treating, really treating employees like like adults fundamentally. And I think I think like a lot of companies, you know, the company that I worked at previously, Jaguar Land Rover, um, we had like quite a parental kind of way of of leading, I guess, mm -hmm. if you if you like. Like we definitely wanted to look after people, but definitely a little bit wanted to tell them how to do that too. Right. And I think what it's done is sort of dragged it up to that more adult adult kind of relationship, and sort of saying, well, what do you need to do to be your best? How do you need to work to be your best? And so from those back office functions, it, it's it's required a real different kind of maturity in, in the leaders, I would say. Yeah. So from, from yeah. that perspective, they've had to trust and they've had and they've had to kind of test that trust. And only on the point that the trust is broken do you step in, rather than I think previously there was that parental, you know what, I'm gonna just gonna protect away from any mistakes first. Uh -huh. And 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 I'll let trust go sort of slowly but surely. You build it kind of thing. Whereas now it's more trust, and if it's broken, it comes down. So it's that for me. That's that's required a very different kind of leadership mindset from from particularly our leaders who are much more used to that. I can see you. I can see how you're working. I can see when you're working, etc. Right. So that's, that's there. But I think the leadership out in the businesses has been just phenomenal out in the dealerships out where um, where um, employees have to be remote. That's where it's the biggest challenge, I would say, from from, right. from, from a people perspective, because not only have, have the leaders out there had to deal with what, you know, um, I don't want to be little or anything, but sort of hokey cokey of kind of like everybody's out and um, mm -hmm. needs to work home everybody's in they've had to work um we've had to find new and innovative ways to reach our customers so buying a car can now 100 be done online including regulated processes which is there's only um our group i think at the moment that can do that right right and that is you know that's new that's huge for our people who you know they've gone from being able to build that rapport with a customer face to face to having to build it over teams yeah and so for our leaders that has been quite a challenge for them to train people to um keep people motivated and then also just keep them motivated full stop when they're like 
sorry, we're stopping. No, we're back starting. No, yeah. we're stopping again. That's that's quite an emotional roller coaster for our employees to go on. So that whole well-being piece has, has also come into it and just understanding more about people's lives and, and how, how they work outside of work. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this, then something I ask a lot of the HR leaders uh, along with this. And forgive me, but I, I am going to have, have like sort of assumptions on what I believe leadership and a large auto dealer brand is. I'm a, I'm just yeah. assuming it's probably skews more male, skews more older. And I love what you said about this parental sort of aspect of leadership where, you know, I, we, I've called it before sort of like dragon's breath, right? Over the neck, making sure that the report, you know, everything is productive and, you know, almost micromanaging, but they had to change and they had to change overnight. And I guess, how did you go about facilitating that within the, like the key stakeholders? Was it a handholding thing or was it more of like a, listen, this is how it is. You either get with it or you don't. How did you go about sort of, and I know you're newer to the company, right? But, but but how, how does that, how does that conversation start? Yeah. And, and it's a hybrid, isn't it? Because you, this is where that individualism thing becomes important from a people function perspective, because you can't do a one size fits all. You just can't. You'll have some leaders who will adapt more quickly, will understand more quickly, will have a better relationship, if you like, with their team will have been, you know, some of them will have been their leader for years. Others may have only just become their leader, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think there's a hybrid between those where you can, you can put the hands off and kind of leave them and say, look, these are the standards that we're expecting. This is where we've got to go. This is where we've got to go with it. Uh, and they can they can almost run with it by themselves versus those who need a bit more support. Right. Need that scaffolding around them to um, to kind of to be able to to thrive through this. But, you know, I'm going to, you know, to be really transparent there. We won't have got it right. I don't think 100 percent of the time there will have been leaders out there who will have felt a little bit like, oh, yeah. I don't know what I don't know how to how to kind of cope with this. And we try to, you know, try to get around as many as you can. But that geographic dispersion also had a massive impact for us because not only were we coping with one set of regulations for England, but the regulations for Wales, the regulations mm-hmm. for Scotland, the regulations in Sweden. So we had a had a branch in Sweden at that point. Right. Um, and you know, it's that piece where you just you have to rely on your leaders to almost step up a little bit and say, well, okay, I've got a responsibility here and then provide the central support that you can. Cause there yeah. isn't, you know, there isn't a HR person at every dealership. There just isn't no, That's not on a, you know, that's not an affordable model and right. also not the right model because for me, one of the reasons that, you know, the, the program of work that I'm doing at the moment around cult, what's the culture for our business, what moving forward, what's the kind of values that we want to live as, as a business relies on the fact that leaders lead their people and leaders own that relationship with their people. And there isn't kind of like this hand holding pseudo kind of person on the side that, you know, yeah, can yeah. be HR sometimes, sometimes can be in our industry. Sometimes it's like in the role of an accountant or something like that, that they might have in the dealership. Right. It, it, it relies on every leader taking accountability for leading their people. Yeah. And I think for me, that's the biggest realization that came into, came into, into play in a number of businesses, not just ours in the pandemic was, Oh, okay. I'm responsible for my people, and I'm not just responsible for how much work they get done. I'm responsible for them. 
who they are, yeah, what they're about, their engagement, and and, and frankly, in the pandemic, their lives. You know that right. blurring was was huge. Yeah. So it seems like then it's almost leaning back on those innate qualities that got those people to leadership. And yeah, then yeah. you act as support. And I loved your analogy of scaffolding. Like I actually pictured myself having a scaffold built around me to make <laughs> it fall over. You have a lot of staff all over the entire UK. And I really liked how you said that there, there can't be a one size fits all approach. That I think is something that a lot of companies who value their employee experience are, are realizing it's certain, certainly something we cover a lot, you know. And we always see it within the tech firms, right? Apple goes completely remote. Then they call their employees back. Then there's another outbreak and they go out again. And then, so I think the businesses that are successful are realizing that it's not a monolith and there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. That's great when you think about it in theory, right, from a very holistic sense. But in putting it in practice is certainly difficult, especially when it comes to an organization the size of Pendragon that has a lot of different business units, a lot of different employee needs. So what are what were the roadblocks and challenges that you and your team encountered when it comes to this one-on-one approach to ID those employee needs? Sure. So um I think I think and you know that's absolutely right. Much as you would love to be as hyper personal as you possibly can be and give the unique experience for every employee, it's just not feasible when you've got when you've got you know when you move into the thousands of employees. Um, but I think for me, one of the biggest roadblocks is the pace of change. So mm-hmm. you you can think that you've kind of got it right with regards to a certain aspects of, of 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 people. So you know it might be performance management, it might be um, recognition, for example. You can think, well, you know, we've got a tried and tested way of doing this here, and actually the world just evolves so quickly that you have to just keep reviewing. It's that continuous improvement. I think it's one of the reasons that I'm, you know, I've, I've introduced um, uh, an agile squad, I guess, if you like. So there are no business partners at um, at, um, Pendragon anymore. We have what we call um, people consultants, which is an agile squad, which get allocated to work when it needs to happen rather than kind of like partnering a customer, if you like, in, mm-hmm. in kind of the older model. And the reason that I've done that is because the world is just changing and evolving so quickly that actually I need to have things up, delivered, out being practiced with the business, 80-20 rule, much uh, much kind of practiced. Right. Um, and 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 then listening to see well is it still right it, you know having the customers involved in those squads so one one of the things the work that I've done recently around kind of what is the culture what is our purpose as an organisation what are our values that was probably twenty percent um, people from the people function and eighty percent from the business because actually you need those voices you need them involved in the process it's like um, skills and capability which is the other kind of personalized piece that gets gets talked about a lot is how do you how do you build um career paths and skill frameworks that can um stand the test of time if you like and be able to and give people because that transparency as to where they can go and what they need to do in order to in order to 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 move and have the career of their choice be that um Mm -hmm. breadth be that depth be that um you know progressing progressing vertically etc uh, and as soon as you write a, a skills framework, it's almost out of date. 
these right. days. Yeah. And so how do you how do you keep how do you keep that alive and how do you keep that going? When I think, you know, there's no goal. I don't I'm not professing to have anywhere near all the answers, but right. I think for me, the key thing is having business people as part of the, your design for those things, because okay. actually they will keep you up to date. They will challenge you where you might be making things or building things in that are going to change very shortly on the horizon, etc. And still enable you to design those sorts of things for your employees. Um, and then just never sitting still, really. So right. I think that, that that has been the biggest challenge for us as a function is that I think very much um, at Pendragon, we were used to kind of like, right, we'll do a massive project on this. We'll launch mm -hmm. it. That's it. Done. Check, check box. And on we move to the next thing. Right. Exactly. It's proven out in the in in this and from and and from that personalised approach pieces. You you can never you can never sit back and relax. Really, You've got to have that continuous mindset. It might not be a major project, but how do you just keep that keep that customer feedback? Keep that understanding, that two-way comms piece, yeah. um, to so that you can you can make it as relevant as you possibly can, and then do smaller changes more regularly. So yeah. that's that kind of continuous improvement piece. So I think that's one major blocker to to kind of personalization is that ever-changing piece. Right. Um, I think I think the other the other big thing for us um, from a personalized approach is that. If you like legislation and governance and regulation is becoming, I think, more stringent, okay, more complex, and sometimes that prevents you from being particularly personalized. I think we're all probably familiar with working alongside very closely with our audit teams and internal yeah. audit teams. And actually, a lot of the legislation and stuff now is tightening up for really good reason. But actually, sometimes that can take some of the personalization away. And we're we're an FCA regulated business, uh -huh. very very seriously. Um, and so, actually, what you're seeing is those regulatory bodies are having to clamp down on quite a lot, particularly around the dreaded, you know, GDPR and and people's data and right. adjust that other pieces. And actually, sometimes that prevents you from being kind of that hyper, hyper personalized, you know, things like people like, you know, I want I want I want to know my birthdays and in my team and that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, I can, but I have to get everyone's permission to do, you know, there's, there's, right. lots, of, there's lots of things that prevent you from being kind of as personalized as you might want to be. There's always workarounds. There's always ways that you can do it within the legislation. But um, but it just sometimes I think just gets you into that. So you're like, oh, OK let's play it on the very very safe side and be and be a bit vanilla if you like yeah. sometimes yeah so so it's almost like uh different like you know government regulations and, and legislations kind of suck the creativity they can do I, th I think it's uh, you know and it's not that they're not there for good reason because they're all there right. for good reason but actually what i'm seeing particularly with um the fca recently is that they are beginning to really think about how culture and inclusion impacts um from a regulate regulatory perspective so we've had some yeah. fantastic um kind of moves with the fca around sort of asking for a diverse board and asking for diverse senior managers and actually mm -hmm. setting some setting some you know setting some targets for businesses around that which is for me them using their their kind of their status and their standing in a really really positive way right because because they can you know they're setting an expectation out there that you can very clearly go okay here's where here's where we're aiming people if we want to do the minimum 
clearly I'm I'm one of those people where the minimum's never good enough. I always right. want I always want the best. But yeah. at least at least you've got then some consistency and some commonality across the business. So I would say you just got to consider it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I say, there are some things where actually it's just the right thing to have some consistency around it from a fairness and inclusion perspective so when you look at it and you say well you know what yes I would love to give that as a you know choose whatever you would like but actually what you'll end up with is is more ill feeling and prop and and possibly some you know less inclusive practices so I think there's 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 that piece as well for me yeah that's great thanks for sharing all that so um it sounds like there's a huge step change going on within Pendragon right and uh, again I when you think of the processes in life, one of the things that was always a constant for the last 60-ish years is how you buy a car. Yeah. You go to the dealer, you take a test drive, you get in a little match with the salesperson to try and get the best <laughs> deal and you know, do, throw in the undercoating and I'm in and all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but they, they had to change, right? Real quick, and the pandemic again was one of those like sort of we don't get, you don't have a choice in this. If you want to stay current, you have to do this. So your employees are learning how to change, change the way they approach to say selling vehicles, you know, from that vertical of your business. But then at the same time, you're trying to teach the dealership own, or, you know, the dealership managers and these uh, finance people who are also sort of your stewards of HR to also think about more about their like feelings and think about how they approach work. And that's also something different. So I I really can have some compassion for those employees that in a matter of weeks, their whole lives have changed. What's the feedback been generally? And that's, if I'm honest with you, that's exactly why we involve them in every step of the way with regards to the creating the values, creating the purpose for for Pendragon, because it couldn't be, it couldn't be a, top down if you like um ivory tower creation of this is what we want the business to look like it had to come from grassroots and our purpose is very grounded in where we've come from what our employees are about who you know who we are but then very also kind of grounded in the future and you know um our purpose is is driving beyond the possible and what Mm -hmm. that's talking to is that do you know what we've always been an organization that's kind of tried to be ahead of the curve tried to do things first if if oems have wanted to um kind of do things in a different way we've regularly piloted that first for them Mm -hmm. um it's been something that we're quite we're quite kind of like keen on our Pinewood, the the business, um, are very much around like what's the best dealer management system there can be. What's the add-on that we can we can include in our product that other people um sort of ask you to ask you to pay for? How do we make that much more user friendly for our people? Um, and so for me, it's about including them in the journey, including them in thing. Now you can't include every single employee. I wish I could. You can't mm-hmm. include every single employee, but you can include a good cross section of those employees to get that perspective and I think one of the things that Pendragon's got that perhaps other other groups maybe don't have um I'm you know not sure um is that we are advocating sale selling a car in a way that um 
the customer wants so right. we've got a spectrum that you offer so it's not just you don't just have to come into one of our dealerships to right. do that you can if you want to and that's the way that right. you want to buy a car you can if you want to do it online you can if you want to do a hybrid some of it online and some of it and some of it in the dealership you can and I think for me that very much kind of brings to life what we're trying to get at with the kind of employee experience vibe as well which is like here's some choices there's choices in how you work there's choices in the way that you work it's not it's not infinite choice but there's there's choice where we can we can do it and we can do it in a in a safe way and 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 an engaging way for you so so it it sort of is is breathing in the same breath if you like it's a it's the same transformation process so i think that's helping yeah if, if anything but yeah i'm absolutely conscious of employees being maybe a little overwhelmed by the level of change um and that's why we've put a lot of kind of focus on well-being really right so talking to our line managers around well-being talking to them about making sure that they're aware and, and checking in with one of the first things that I did when I joined the company was just take a really hard look at all the benefits that we that we offered and um, you know we used to we used to be a very um um, statutory I would call it business mm-hmm. so the minimum kind of offering and you know and we've we've introduced sick pay which we never had you know statutory sick pay we've now got company sick pay right. we've now got critical illness sick pay which didn't happen before we've now got life insurance cover for all of our employees and sometimes it is those basics and saying right okay how do we how do we become somebody that that cares right. um, about what happens with their employees be that with when you're working with us or outside of work you know life assurance is not about you know it's about making sure that your loved ones have got um that safety blanket if the worst were to happen it's not really you know it's not really an employment benefit if you like it's, a, right. it's about caring for the family and it's about and so for me it's a, we've been a lot more spent a lot more time talking about that to our employees a lot more time caring in that space to just help them on the journey and help them move forward Great. Uh, there's you, you dropped a lot of great info there. I'm try, trying to unpack it. So the first, so the first one, or yeah, let's start with this. So with like when you reevaluated your benefits, okay, yeah. please go ahead and be honest with me. Was that yeah. a react? Was was that a reactionary move to what you were seeing maybe in this concept of the Great Resignation, um, or did it come from like you know did it come from somewhere else? And I, I know would, that's, a, that's a tough question. Yeah, no, it's I, I'm really happy to be to be transparent around that. Yeah. Um the it started, if I'm honest with you, it started with a this isn't okay. Like how yeah. we're how we've got on this is not okay. I'm not gonna say that, you know, I didn't put the case for um the great resignation in my business case to the sure. to the to the business to do it, because that would not be true. Right. But it didn't come, it didn't come from that. It came from actually we're not you know, we're not, we're not competitive with, we are not competitive in the market, but we're also, we're not doing what's right by our employees. We're not kind of, um, you know, we're not, we're not showing up as the caring business that actually we can be and, and, and should be, if you like. So for me, it came from a place, it came from a place of care to start with, but yeah, did that add to my business case and getting it authorized? Sure. (laughs) And it helps. And if that's, what's going to, sometimes if that's, what's going to push you over the line and get you that budget or anything like, then that's exactly what it takes. So, all right, now I'm going to hop around, just going to jump jump around a little bit. Would you say that your approach to your employee experience would be very similar to your customer experience? 
so I think that's that's very much where we're headed. I'm, I'm, you know, again, really transparently, our employee experience hasn't been where we where it should be. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons they didn't have a chief people officer before before I joined. Um, it was uh, it was uh, reporting through um, chief operating officer. So this is their first kind of executive level people position, and so there's been a, a dramatic shift, I think, to sort of say actually this we haven't got this right and this isn't right. isn't where it should be so our, i think our customer experience is probably better than our mm-hmm. employee experience on occasions at the moment but we're working really hard to kind of set those standards and do things a little differently and so there's, there's a you know program of work that i'm working through to sort of say well okay what what how do we make this better and one of the things i'm wrestling with and i, I think I, i've been to a number of kind of hr networking events and had had some conversations around mm-hmm. this because what is flexible for for those who have to be in the business? What is flexible right. working? Because I think I often reflect and think, you know, the majority of our workforce, you know, sort of at least um, at, at least kind of four and a half thousand are those people that need to be in a dealership right. doing doing what they're doing doing what they're doing probably face to face with with customers. And so, what is flexibility for that for that population? And I think where I've landed at the moment is that it's about understanding where you can be flexible and give them choice so how can they swap shifts very easily what's the technology that can allow that and I, you know hands up I'm not sure where we are with regards to being able to get to this from a from a technology perspective mm-hmm. um uh, but I think it is about understanding well okay what what does that look like for them what do bank holidays look like in our, our studios how are we understanding when our dealers are um busy when they're not busy and being able to raise the level of flexibility when when we don't have a footfall what's that what does that what does that look like does the future of kind of um our sales teams look like you you know if you're if you're working online you what you can do that from home and if you if you're um doing face-to-face business and clearly you need to be in and how do we how do we kind of look, look at that and I think like I say we're a way off of that at the moment but it's what's mm-hmm. running through my head and certainly the conversations that I'm having with the executive team to sort of say okay there's just a different expectation out there yeah and different different people you know we, we've seen saw a lot a lot a lot a lot of our older kind of technicians just leaving and not leaving to go anywhere else just leaving done right kind of thing and that's it you know that's a skill that takes four five ten years to to kind of perfect and i'll be honest we've, we're, we're trying to to sort of say well okay well how are we how are we predicting that so mm-hmm. one of the roles that i've put in is strategic workforce planning to so just say we need to be data driven in this how do we know when this stuff's going to hit us how do we understand this and how do we plan for this and then how do we how do we operation reskill slash um, grow our own in order right. to, in order to get there because you know it's scary when you read the papers and it sort of says for the first time ever in history there are more jobs than available workers yeah. and that's where you kind of go okay this yeah. is the beginning this is the beginning of the revolution with regards to um that how we need to really think about skilling our employees how we how we grow our employees and how we just manage to retain them fundamentally yeah. I don't know if it's the the hippie or punk rock side of me. Uh, definitely like, I don't want to say like anarchy because I'm not, but I think it's, it's refreshing to me to have the job market be with the advantage of the candidate and yeah. not the employer because it's, it's making, it's making employers change 
for the good. Um, so just, I, you know, I just want to wrap it up with this sort of, again, very holistic uh, uh, question. Where do you see HR going as we are now in this post-pandemic world? So I think I think for me it is an absolute. There's probably three things that I think the um, HR functions will be or 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 should be kind of focusing on. The first one is the culture and uh, experience of their employees. So how is that showing up? Does that need to be different because of any of the kind of influencing factors that are about at the moment? I think the second one for me is that skilled piece so how are you planning your workforce of the future and and not almost getting back into this the scenario that we're in at the moment and understanding what that looks like and doing it in a in a simple way for the business and i think that simple way is probably the trickiest bit of this because understanding the data and analytics of where you want to go and skills of the future is probably slightly simpler than actually being able to to do that so that's that that one those two for me and then the final one is is communication i think for me um how you are able to get the voice and the temperature check from the business in a very real-time way will influence those other two big things like n- like nothing else. Yeah. So how do you how are you able to get that heartbeat? And for me, it might not be that the people function gets that heartbeat, but actually you've got capable leaders that can take mm-hmm. that heartbeat and do something with it that are there and local and can get it much quicker than you can. So that that kind of also creeps into a fourth of leadership capability, doesn't it? But yeah. I'll stick with my three. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So it's just keep keep moving, keep evolving, and and yeah. I guess it's one thing we learned: don't ever get comfortable, right? No, never get comfortable. <laughs> Thanks so much, uh, Lizzie, for joining me today, and I uh, hope to have you back soon. No problem. Thank you. Well, once again, I'd just like to thank Lizzie Downs, CPO at Pendragon, for lending her expertise and insights on how flexible working can work for large organizations involving many different employees with different job functions, job locations, etc. Thank you for listening and looking forward to having you back on the next episode of the HR Grapevine podcast right here on hrgrapevine.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye-bye.